It's been almost two decades since we started our journey to educate and help you take action so you may better manage your financial future. Our goal is to help you accomplish your life's purpose. This podcast reveals financial tips, strategies, and insights that will help you to set your financial goals and guide you along the way. This is Managing Your Financial Future, brought to you by the advisors at Lucia Capital Group. We are managing your financial future. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. Another episode. Uh, Johnny Dean, your podcast host, not your financial advisor, but here with my favorite financial advisor of all time, Professor Rick Plum. Oh, thank you, sir. Only because I've known you for so long and, you know, we hang out a lot together. Uh, we are back for episode number 127. I was just told 127 episodes over wow. how many years? And that's just the podcast. That doesn't count all the years of radio and television. So we did a lot of that. We did a lot of that. And uh, a lot of different subjects come up and sometimes subjects uh, beget other subjects. And that's exactly what is going on for this particular episode. Now, last week, if you follow these week by week, you'll remember that we talked about why guaranteed income is so important in retirement. Uh, it acts as a foundation, things like Social Security, if you have any pensions. Uh, I think we talked about maybe annuities if people want to get into those. And yeah, they're not for everybody, but in some situations, they can work. Now, I have to crane my neck here, but uh, there, I, I ran across an article that uh, illustrates this just a little bit. And it's that it, 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 it Limra, they, they used to be a life insurance uh uh, marketing research, but so so they, you, know, you have to sometimes wonder where these things come from. But they surveyed, I don't know how many, quite a few uh, households. <laughs> it doesn't say how many, but they said an overwhelming majority of U.S. households with $2 million or more in investable assets are confident they won't run out of savings if they live to be age 90. Now, $2 million. Okay, that's uh, not the average household. No. In fact, less than uh, 7% of those uh, households headed by somebody over age 60 have $2 million. So that's not most people. And they found that if you had between $1 million and uh, $2 million, That's still not the average household, but it, I mean, it's got a bigger It's closer. Percentage. It's closer. Uh, only 28% strongly agreed that uh, they would have enough uh, money to live you know, through retirement. And if you got down to folks uh, with only 100000 to 250000 in investable assets, only 12% strongly agreed that their savings and investments uh, will not run out if they live to be 90 years old. So there could be a couple of things going on there. One could be that they're overconfident and they don't really understand how much that they need for retirement. Or, or they work with somebody who has found a way to... Um, get them through retirement on whatever salary, or not salary, but on, on, on whatever income they do have. And when you have a million plus two, or up to $2 million or more, you probably are working with some type of an advisor, have probably done some kinds of projections, uh, you know, looking into what what is reasonable, what am I expecting? Yeah. Uh, you tend to be, if you've got that size portfolio, you tend to be somebody who's paid attention a little bit. Uh, either you inherited it, which means you probably don't know what's going on, or you, you know, saved it over the years of working, which means you watched and you, you know, budgeted and you, you saved and you did things. Yeah, you, you know, hope. You know, that's how you created that nest egg. And so, but a lot of it comes down to the relationship between the asset value that you have today and how much you were earning while you were working. Uh, unfortunately, I've seen people that have a million, two million dollars, but they were making seven, eight, nine hundred thousand a year. And they only have a million dollars saved up at retirement. In that, other words, they're spending they outpaced, spend, yeah. you know, five hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year. So either they're going to take a dramatic haircut at retirement, uh, or 
I don't know what's going to happen to well, him. Well, it's it's not uncommon. In, in, in a situation like that, uh, somebody with guaranteed income like Social Security, I don't know about pensions or anything like that, but it's not going to be enough to cover their shortfall. Right. And we're, on the other side, I've seen people that don't make six figures but have a million, $2 million of investable assets because they're living on sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. Yeah. And if they're living on sixty, seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 a year, and they've got $2 million in the bank, and they're going to have Social Security, yeah, they should be confident. Yeah, so so it's, it's, it has a lot to do with what is your spending habit. I know people who are very comfortable with you know $300,000 in investable assets, their Social Security, maybe a small pension, uh, and, and what that provides mm-hmm. in a realistic environment. And I've met people who have five, eight, $10 million who are broke in relation to what they spend. In other words, they're spending they're everything. They're spending that they're, yeah. everything they get. Well, so that begs the question then. Uh, well, here before I get to that question, this this is what leads into it. Uh, we mentioned this last week, where we said, okay, your 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 strategy starts at the foundation, which is the guaranteed income, social right. security, and things like that. Things uh, that 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 are coming in no matter what you do, no matter what the market does. That's kind of how we define that. And anything b- beyond that that you need to cover your expenses, whether they're necessary expenses or they're just I want to do it expenses, has to be uh, taken care of by your portfolio, your your savings, your nest egg. So then the question comes up, well, I need a certain amount from my portfolio every month, every quarter, whatever it is. Uh, how do I know how much I can withdraw? What, in, in other words, how much should <laughs> you- reasonable? How much should you withdraw from your portfolio? Is there a safe amount? Because if I have you know, a million dollars socked away, I mean, I feel rich. Maybe I inherited it. And I've never had that before. That's, I mean, the, that's the worst one. Can I can I take a hundred thousand dollars a year? Well, you can. I mean, okay, not for thirty years. Well, exactly. <laughs> so so we know that there's a time factor involved. I mean, if you have a million dollars and you want to take a hundred thousand a year, and you're ninety four, hey, fine. <laughs> I wouldn't be too worried. Although you could live to be a hundred ten, but odds are against you. Uh, if you're taking out a hundred thousand a year on top of your Social Security and spending it at ninety nine or ninety five, whatever you said, you're not living ten years. <laughs> no, you're probably not because you're whatever high. it is, you're, you're pushing that candle. It has you're to do. That candle it probably had to do with very expensive <laughs> champagne and cigars and who knows what else. You can take it from there. Uh, you're right. Uh, okay, so so that's the question though, and that's what we want to talk about today. Is and how I much think the safe withdrawal rate changes based on how old you are. And other factors, health is being one. Yeah, so let's 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 run down these things. Uh, I've heard, and many of our listeners have too, about this old four percent rule that you take yeah. how much you have in your portfolio and you uh, multiply it by a factor of four percent. If I said that correctly, take so if you have if you have a million dollars, just for easy math, forty thousand a year, forty thousand a year plus yeah. inflation, according to the the the. Posted rule. Well, in other words, you can give yourself a bump of what? One Whatever or, inflation is. Whatever one or two percent per well, year. They, you know, the the testing that was done on these types of distributions, Monte Carlo simulations, were uh, historical inflation. So it's not just a flat number each year; it's a random number based on historical numbers. Average, though, I would say is yeah, whatever. Okay, so so but they they ran these simulations and they found way back in the early nineties that four percent would give you a reasonable amount of confidence based on all these historical data, numbers mm-hmm. that your portfolio uh, would last for 30 years. 30 years. So we'll say age 65 to 95, 60 right. to 90 pick a pick a year. All right. So does that still hold true? And and you know we don't like rules of thumb and that is well, one that, of the big they, ones. They don't call it a rule of thumb. They call it a rule. And That's true. It to me it's a it's a guideline. It can it, it's a great place to from a high level 
planning standpoint, but it also, again, depends on the age of the individual. We're talking about a 65-year-old and 30 years. What if you're 55 and you want to retire? You're going to say, well, I'm only I'm going to pass away at 85. You're going to guarantee that because that's, you know, 30 years, 30 years. So what's wrong with the if, if somebody wanted to start with how much can I withdraw from my portfolio and say, well, I'm going to take 4% of whatever the balance but is at the end of the year. From a, what, what's wrong with that? What, what could go wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong from the planning stages. You know, when you're looking at it first blush and you're saying, you know what, I want to retire at 65. Uh, let's assume that we're going to take our Social Security at that point and we're going to and will 4%. You know, from the portfolio, you know, that brings the, me up to X amount of dollars per year. Can I afford to live on that? And then, you, but one of the expenses that you don't know is taxes. So you got to play with that a little bit. And so it gives you a ballpark idea. But if you're short, you know, you say, well, I need 100 and that's only giving me 80. Now, how much, what's the distribution rate that gets you to the 100? Is that a 5% or a 6%? Depending upon how much Social Security you have, it could be a, you know, a bigger number. It's, how do we get to the right number? And is it too much? Is it now you look for reasons why the income may drop in the future? I have a, you know, my mortgage will be, you know, I got my mortgage going into retirement. I'll have that for another 10 years, but then 10 years from now it drops off because I paid off the house. And so my income need at that point drops. So I like looking at the projections of is, is 4% a reasonable starting point. Mm -hmm. And then you layer in the complexities of what may change in the future. Uh, so you like 4% as four, a starting it's a, it's a, point. It's a starting point. It's a guideline. But you also look at, you know, maybe I want to retire at 65, but I don't want to start my Social Security until I'm 70. Or I'll start my spouse's Social Security at that point, but I don't want to start mine until 70. And then when I start mine at 70, it's like, you know, almost $50,000 a year. That means am I going to live on 4% now? I've got a million-dollar portfolio. I can only take 40000 out. But in five years, my social security is going to be 50,000. Now I'm not going to touch my portfolio. So my portfolio doesn't have to supply nearly. Anything. So reality much. is yeah. I should be able to take out more than just the 40,000 because I'm going to take out less later on. Those are the complexities of using just a straight 4% rule. But assuming I'm retired, I've started my social security already. My pensions, if I have any, have already started. Everything is already on <laughs> all the all the income that guaranteed income is, is my ready home to is paid yeah. off my you know i don't have any big bills that are going to come stop being bills and okay. not too distant future now we're looking at you know yeah is four percent really yeah let's see if four percent can work so can you make it on what four percent provides now it's about how do you allocate the portfolio but it's a great starting point but yeah. most people aren't in that position They've got incomes starting at different ages, expenses going away at different times, maybe expenses increasing at different times. Well, yep. and as we talked about last time, we said that the, uh, the expenses go down in retirement as you age, maybe yeah. not between 65 and 75. Well, but... the first several years, maybe the first decade of retirement, you your income will typically rise with inflation, maybe a little more because you're enjoying, you're healthy, you're doing things, you're finding new things to do. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had people tell me, I don't know where I found the time to work. <laughs> right. I'm so busy now. Well, that's a good retirement. I and would and say. then as you get into your later 70s, your, your you know, mid 70s, later 70s, maybe you're slowing down a little bit. Getting into your 80s, you're slowing down quite a bit as far as spending. I'm not necessarily talking about you know whether you're still running or doing physically spent you know fast, but you're spending typically goes down. Well, as the you expensive gain. things start to go away. And for yeah. retirees, expensive things tend to be things like vacations and, and you don't uh, travel quite as much. Yeah. You don't eat as much. You don't go out as much. Yeah. You're not shopping for, you're not going to Nordstrom's as much. Now, healthcare uh, is an expense though, that we haven't talked about. And 
other than somebody who is chronic, healthcare usually shows its really ugly, expensive head in the last years of life. And last have, couple of years. And that can yeah. be an issue. But it typically, like I said, is not a big number every year. I mean, they talk about it's going to cost you three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars for healthcare yeah. over your lifetime. Well, the good news there is it happens in the last couple of years for most people. <laughs> that's 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 the trend. So four percent. But who knows? A four I mean, percent. Just to keep it on topic, a four percent rate of withdrawal has for its advantage. Five-year-old is a good overall high-level starting point. Yeah. Now for a fifty-five-year-old that's healthy, I probably wouldn't want to do four. For a seventy-five-year-old. I probably would. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have a problem going higher. Yeah, so it's because it's about time. It's about how much time you need the portfolio to continue. Yeah, you know, we talked before, and this was back when interest rates were at zero, and they were for quite a long time or close to it. And the, some of the people who had originally come up with this whole four percent rule were saying, "No, that's still too rich." I don't You're, think it was the original person, uh, Doctor Benjamin. I don't think readjusted that. But some of the people that have analyzed it outside of him are saying, you know especially when interest rates a couple of years ago were in the zeros, mm. you know, maybe the safe withdrawal rate would be 2.8%, you know, because back when the, it was originally done in the uh, mid to late nineties, interest rates were a lot higher. You know, everything was working differently. Mm-hmm. The market's different than it was interest rates being as low as they are. We're not getting the, yeah. You know, now yeah, we've got they, a little bit of interest rate behind us again, but even today or as recently, uh, the College of Financial Planning is saying you know, 4% may be a little high. Is there a big difference between a 4% withdrawal and a 5% withdrawal other than the 1%? Does that make a big difference? <laughs> I, I'm asking on for a reason. On, on longevity? Yeah, it has a big difference on longevity. Well, and, and not just on longevity, but also on this whole idea of sequence of returns, which I didn't really plan on getting into, but it plays into this whole idea of how much can I take from my portfolio. Because, Professor Plum, you and I both know Let's say you decided to take 5% at age mm-hmm. six, 60 or 65. I can't remember what this is. Pick uh, your number. It, we'll say 65. Um, and you decide 5%. Right. So not, out of that million, you're going to take 50,000 instead of 40,000. Okay. So, yeah. So that's not unreasonable, correct? I mean, necessarily. No, but you understand that you are putting more stress on the portfolio and that at some point you may have to slow down on your spending. Uh, maybe, and th- when I say slow down, it means not as much inflation factor. It has to, you know, you'll, you'll keep it flat for a while. 5%, it, a lot of this has to do with the increase over time with inflation. A 5% flat with no increases for inflation. That's what I'm talking is about. Is probably equal to or more viable than a 4% plus inflation over time. Well, I would hope so because yeah. as you get 4%, well, it, you're... I mean, 5% is 25% more than 4%. Here, it's true. When you deal with percentages, it's 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 really an odd thing. When you throw percentages you know? on percentages, <laughs> well, no, it is, it is. You know, you hear, oh, I found the, the people taking this medicine, the the rate of death shot up twenty five percent. You know, when they <laughs> used it, but it turns out it was a one percent chance with it, and now it's only one point two five percent chance. <laughs> anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. Where I'm going with this is five percent could be okay if you don't take any adjustments for inflation. But here's the other thing that you got to be concerned about. We've run these. Uh, we, we we've talked about this many times. Uh, somebody who took a five percent withdrawal rate out of a just just a systematic withdrawal withdrawal rate, right? But they happened to retire at a time at the wrong time when the st- when stocks were flat or going negative for the first few years of their retirement. Now you ask, is a five percent? And I don't care if it's four or five. I'll say five because that's what that's what we used at that time. Is a five percent rate of withdrawal for your 
for the longevity. Can you make it 30 years? Now, your answer was it, it, it can be. But we've seen instances, Professor Plum, where just doing a systematic withdrawal of 5% every single year and then rebalancing can actually run them out of money well before 30 years. Well, that's one of the reasons I said from a high-level standpoint, using a 4% or 5%, they're great yeah. for getting a very high-level look at things. But where it really comes down, where the rubber meets the road, is when you get into the allocation. You know, you were talking, I think, or maybe you're remembering a study that John Hancock did. Exactly the one I'm referring to. From uh, several years back where somebody retired in 1969 mm -hmm. and took a flat 5% off of a balanced portfolio that was rebalanced annually to maintain its balance. And the person, and then they, so they did the exact same strategy, 5%, no inflation, starting with $100,000 in 1969. And then somebody did the exact same thing with the exact same type of portfolio in 1979. Starting, just started 10 years later. Right, now, just 10 years. So the only thing that was different was the time horizon. But they both took a 5% rate of right, withdrawal so $5, from their portfolio. Yeah. You know, off their $100,000. The person that started in 1969 was out of money in 20 years. It didn't last. I think it was, I think it was even 18.8 years or something. It didn't even last They were, they were gone. Yeah. <laughs> it was out. The, the person that uh, retired 10 years later and did the exact same thing, had like half a million dollars yeah. 20 years later. Right. The so, difference being in the first 10 years of 1969 to 1978, there were three or four negative years, negative return years. And then the, in the first 10 years of the individual who retired in 1979, there were no negative years. Right. And so that says, well, if, if you just look at that, you say, well, then 5% doesn't work. It doesn't work all that. Can't work. Can't, don't do that. That's, that's even a balanced portfolio stinks. And so what I it depends on who, whom you ask. If I asked the person who retired in 1969, they'd say absolutely 5% was too rich. There's no way I, I could have survived. But you ask the person who retired in 1979, they said, heck yeah, 5%, I probably could have taken more. I mean, I've got more money than I know what to do with. And if you're asking somebody in 1989 or 1999, say, you don't be, know the difference exactly. because they were very different decades. And, you know, the first 10 years, you know, 89 to 99 were pretty good years 99 to 2009 not so much no and so you run into that so, same problem so that sequence but now what what that's just looking at the rule so to speak but not at how you actually structure a portfolio right so if you took that hundred thousand dollars in 1969 and you did a very basic bucket strategy and you said i'm going to take that hundred thousand that is currently invested 100 percent in a balanced portfolio which was 50% stocks, 50% bonds. You know, they, we can get the study and give you more intricate details, yeah. but, uh, and rebalanced every year after taking the distribution. You took half of the money and put it in your mattress. So 50 grand of your 100 grand back in 1969, and you stuck it in a secure mattress, let's yeah. call it. Yeah. <laughs> and you took out $5,000 a year out of the mattress. Out of the mattress. And you left the 50,000 in the portfolio, and you did not take any distributions from the portfolio. Then at the end of 10 years, when your mattress is empty, you pulled 50000 out of the portfolio and did it again for another 10 years. What would your portfolio have been worth at the end of 20 years using the exact same portfolio, mm -hmm. but arguably in a much more conservative manner? You got half the money in cash. Yep. You'd still have over $100,000 left after 20 years. Whereas in the same, other way, you're out of money. Yeah. Same you know, portfolio, different strategy. Same distribution rate, same dollar amounts, everything there. The only difference was you didn't sell anything when it was down. And those the, those down years had time to recover, and you recovered nicely. And so 
what would you mean? In that case, it wasn't the withdrawal rate that was the problem. It was the underlying investment strategy that was the problem. But obviously, that has to come at a cost. It wasn't the withdrawal rate. It was the withdrawal strategy. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. And it does come with a cost. Well, that's what you said. I well, and to... it does come with a cost. So I looked at the same thing, doing the exact same thing for somebody who retired in 1979. Yeah. And my first guess was, I said, well, heck, since we're taking half of the money to begin with uh, out of the markets, it's it's going in the mattress right. from 1979 to 1989. I mean, we had a pretty good 10 years, you know, after yep. about 1982 or so. Uh, I mean, heck, they're 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 going to miss out on a lot of gains. So right. I got to think that after ten years or twenty years, well, I looked at it after thirty years. Okay, after th- I would think after th- my thought was after thirty years, the 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 person with the, that stuck it in the mat half in the mattress to begin with, like a quasi bucket strategy, right. uh, had to have been doing significantly worse than the person who just let it all ride. And what were the results? Well, I'll let you decide on what significantly worse means. The person who did it all in the portfolio had about 600000 in the portfolio after, after 30 years. After 30 years. The person who did the more conservative approach, it did cost them. They were, they were down around 500000 Not down five hundred. They had about 500000 in the portfolio after 30 years. So it cost them hundred grand, or it cost their heirs hundred grand <laughs> After 30 years. After, they had, yeah, at that but, point. But the point was that they, they still had more than enough. They were still taking their 5% out every single year. And this leads to one other aspect of why was the difference not as great as we would have expected? Yeah, because why? if we look at the time horizons and we look at you know historical needs, 2020, we're using historical values. The person retired in 1979. So the first 20 years takes them to 1999. And in 19, that was at the end of 20 years, they pulled money out of the portfolio to give their next 10 years worth of income. <laughs> but and what happened from 99 to 2000, the market didn't do much, so, but they didn't lose anything. They didn't subject themselves to that negative sequence of returns that happened yeah. because they let the money recover from, from 99 to 2009. So it didn't affect them so much. Whereas the person that was all in the market, they were pulling it out when the market was down. And so sequence of returns matters. Value averaging matters. The appropriate strategy for withdrawal matters. And from a high level, the distribution rate does matter. I remember years ago on the radio, we got a call from somebody who said they wanted 30000 a year. They were like 60, 61, and they had 300000 bucks. 10% is what they want. And that was, how, does, how do you get that? You don't make that happen. I mean, that's not going to last for more than 12 or 13, 14 years, you know, even if with good results because you're drawing it down so fast. And they didn't like my answer on the air, I remember. They weren't very happy. <laughs> no. Uh, but it's just there are certain things that you can't wave a magic wand and create impossible-type returns. You know, but but there are... But you can look at four or five, depending upon what's happening in your life, what your structure... You know, some people want more money in the early years of retirement than later years. They're willing to say, I don't want as much inflation because... I want to be able to travel now while I'm young enough and healthy enough to do it. And, you know, but then when I get older, I don't necessarily, everybody all know that my parents, everybody, they don't do it as travel as much because they just don't feel like it. Well, what about somebody with a million bucks and they start taking, let's say 10% out the first year. Okay. We'll say, we'll say it's a 10% and, and, but, but, but they're going to slowly decrease it over time. Is that, does that ever work? I've heard people talk about it, you know, a planned decrease, you know, unless you have, I know somebody who has a fairly expensive hobby and they expect this hobby to continue for the next 10 years. Huh. And then after 10 years, they're saying, after that, I'm, I'm just not going to do it anymore. For, I'm, I don't, the hobby is not one that you do into old age. 
you know, physically. Must be uh, a hobby similar to yours. Uh, not necessarily, but you know, we, okay. <laughs> everything has its risk and reward. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and so the expenses are going to drop 10 years from now. So that is a plan. He goes, I don't know if I'm going to continue for 10 years, but... You know, it may, it may be 11, maybe 9, but, you know, we have to plan on well, something. So when you talk about a safe withdrawal rate again, uh, 4 or 5% is probably okay, but you have to have the right strategy, the right withdrawal strategy. Now, if somebody wanted to take more, and you brought this up earlier, but I think it's worth repeating, I want to take more out now uh, because, uh, you know, I'm 65, but in seven years, my, uh, you know, my, my mortgage will be paid off. Right. So I'm picking up an extra couple thousand a month, you know, there. Yeah, I'm reducing my expenses, which is like getting a raise. <laughs> it's exa- well, no, it's exactly the same thing. Uh, or or at age, oh, and at age 70, uh, I'm waiting my social, my social security. security kicks in. So I'm going to get, you know, maybe three grand a month. or Well, no, let's call it two grand a month there. Uh, social security. Uh, so you're so- expecting them to cut social security. <laughs> No, no, no. I was saying three, <laughs> three grand a month. I was like between you. me and my wife. No, no, it wouldn't be that. that. But let's just say. But yeah, you're gonna. So, so I'm you getting, went, you, I get your it. expenses. Technically, your cash flow changed by five grand a month a at month. that point. Yeah, at that point. And so yes, and so what I like doing is when we're doing modeling, we're looking at the incomes when they come in, when they come out. The amount of money, the distribution rate today, to me, is not necessarily as important as the distribution rate. 15 years from now, yeah. after everything's kicked in, because if I'm 65, by the time I'm 80, everything's kind of kicked in. I, my income is either there or not there. Yeah. Um, and my expenses, you know, typically they've either gone away or they're going to continue for life. Uh, so we look at that modeling, and yes, we may be taking a 6 or 7% distribution, maybe even an 8% distribution now. But by the time all these other factors kick in, my Social Security goes, you know, goes up at age 70 or starts at age 70, my mortgage is paid off at age 74. By the time I'm 77, 78 years of age, what is my projected distribution rate at that point? Is it still 15% because <laughs> I've drawn everything down so far? Yeah. Well, okay, that's a problem. Is it going, you know, at that point, is it 6%, 5%? Remember, I'm 75, 76, 80 years old now. Yeah. If it's 5 or 6%, I'm still pretty good with that based on the assumptions. Now, obviously, I'm not going to assume that my overall portfolio is going to grow at an average 10% every year. And I'm going to take, so I've got to use conservative assumptions on the growth and how we're doing things. But in the modeling process, we're looking at it today. You may have a high distribution rate today, but after everything kicks in and or the expenses go down in the future, your expected distribution rate in the future is not as high. This also comes into whether you use lifetime income or not. I've seen people who retire at 62, 63, who don't want to turn on their social security until age 70. And the salesperson says, well, you need lifetime income to give you guaranteed income because you've got $3,000 a month of fixed expenses that you need to cover with guaranteed income. So they sell them a guaranteed income product right now. But then at age 70, their Social Security kicks in at four grand, and they don't need the guaranteed income anymore. Yeah. And so now they, they, they didn't need to take that flexibility out of their portfolio. They didn't need that product the way that it was presented. I'm not saying that they didn't, may not have wanted it, but I'm just saying they didn't need it for the reason it was sold which is why, unfortunately, annuities get a bad rap sometimes. Well, because sometimes they deserve a bad rap. Or so, not the annuities, but the, the, yeah, the, the person the selling person. Them, yeah. So when you look at and you're modeling and you're doing your planning, it's not just planning for today. It's planning for today and in the future to see what's happening, what's different, what is expected, or what could, what could we expect to change in the future. 
We're also not just planning today from a tax planning standpoint. We're planning today, yes, you're a married couple and you can have a little over $100,000 of gross income and stay in the 12% income tax bracket. So does that mean that, you know, how do we allocate our incomes? You know, do we go one way or another with our IRAs? Because if something happens to one or the other spouse, that tax bracket now only goes to 50000 yeah. And so we've got to plan for today and plan for the future. Well, you mentioned before we wrap up here, you mentioned the the uh, importance of the withdrawal strategy. Oh, yes. And I, I, I said, well, you know, what if you, you know, you have your, your mortgage can be paid off in seven years and your Social Security is you're waiting till age 70. So that's six, seven years from now, whatever. So your expenses are going to drop. However, it still doesn't mean so. So if I say, well, uh, then so what? I can I take ten percent out of my portfolio until that age? You might say, well, yes, but you still need the proper. Alec, you still need the proper withdrawal, withdrawal strategy. strategy because I'll tell you what: if I had a million bucks, I'm taking a hundred thousand out for the first five years, and the market you know drops for the first. Oh, two we years. had a 2022. You I, I, not I, only did you go down because you took a hundred thousand out, and you didn't get the growth that you expected. You had some takeaway. You're, you know, now you're down to about seven hundred and forty thousand dollars instead so, of only, you know, being at eight at nine fifty. So then it wouldn't work. No, so, it, it, that puts a lot of pressure on a portfolio. Yeah, and you better hope to. You, you, now you better you're hope looking for, for a miracle. Hmm, do I have a rich uncle out there somewhere? So, is there a safe amount to take out? How much should you withdraw from your portfolio? The, the, to summarize, would be four percent, five percent to to start to off start with. Start with. But and, then you layer in the complexities. And like anything else in financial planning, the answer is the same. What is the appropriate withdrawal rate? It, it depends. Depends. <laughs> depends on you, how you're structuring yeah. your financial life, where things are happening, how your longevity fits into this. Are you married, not married? Yeah, what's the age difference there? You know, There are so many factors, and everybody is different. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing this yourself, folks. I mean, you could get lucky and do okay, but yeah, for the most $10 part, million dollars. well, it's hard to screw that up, but I've seen people oh, mess yeah. that up. Especially lottery winners. <laughs> oh, man, do we need to get into that? Uh, if you need some help, you want to uh, want to talk more about this kind of thing, uh, withdrawal rates and all that, you can talk to any of the Lucia Capital Group advisors, 800-644-1150, 800-644-1150. Professor Rick Plum is the uh, uh, chief financial planning officer, so, of course, Rick, you you oversee all of them. Uh, just I'm here. You're you're there, and you've got your hand in each one of these. Uh, make use of Professor Plum through any of the Lucia Capital Group advisors. Also, find us online luciacap.com, l-u-c-i-a-c-a-p.com. We have uh, imp- uh, wonderful uh, tools you can download, things you can look at, videos to to check out, blog posts. It's all there, luciacap.com. Also, find us on Spotify, Apple too, not Apple too, Apple as well. <laughs> I owned an, is, is Apple, there an too. Apple too. I owned an Apple II years ago. <laughs> okay. It was a 2E, I think, about 1981. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, you can find us there on Apple. What is it? Uh, you know how to find it. You found our podcast. Subscribe. Do that. Make sure you don't miss a single minute of all the wonderful things we've had to say. Go back and listen to all 127 episodes would be my other <laughs> advice. You should binge listen to this program. A friend of mine just did that. Not all 127, but he, he, all the ones he'd missed out on. He caught up. He was uh, on vacation for a little bit, and he... Hey, that's great. Binge listened. Well, it's great. I, I know somebody who's got a really long commute, and uh, and they listen. You know, it's it's like an hour and a half a day. And wow. So that covers a good, you know, one or two episodes. So 
Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, out of time. We will talk more about this, I'm sure. And uh, my thanks to Professor Rick Plum. You're a CFP professional, are you not? That's what they tell me. Yes, I am. And uh, that's why I've got you on this show. Uh, again, if you need them, 800-644-1150 at Lucia Capital Group. For Professor Rick Plum, I'm your podcast host, Johnny Dean. We thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you again next week. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. This material is gathered from sources believed to be reliable. However, its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Different types of investments and or investment strategies involve varying levels of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment or investment strategy will be profitable for a client's or prospective client's portfolio. Thus, investments may result in a loss of principal. Accordingly, no client or prospective client should assume that the information presented serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice from Lucia Capital Group or from any other investment professional. You should always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principal. The information provided is based on current laws, which are subject to change at any time. Lucia Capital Group is not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Social Security rules can be complex. For more information about Social Security benefits, visit the SSA website at ssa.gov or call 800-772-1213 to speak with an SSA representative. Annuities are long-term investment products designed for retirement purposes. Guarantees are based on the claims paying ability of the issuer subject to their terms and conditions. Early withdrawals may be subject to surrender penalties and, if taken prior to age 59 and a half, may be subject to an additional 10% federal tax. Annuities are not FDIC insured. Certain terms and conditions apply, so please read insurance company materials carefully. Examples cited are hypothetical, are for illustrative purposes only, are not guaranteed and subject to potential federal and state law amendments. There is no guarantee that you will achieve the results discussed or illustrated. A value averaging strategy does not guarantee a profit or protection from loss. The investor sets a target growth rate or amount on his or her asset base or portfolio each month and then adjusts the next month's contribution according to the relative gain or shortfall made on the original asset base. Since such an investment plan involves continual investment in securities, you must consider your willingness to continue purchasing during periods of high or low price levels. IRA withdrawals will be taxed at ordinary income rates. Withdrawals prior to age 59 and a half may also be subject to a 10% penalty tax. Rick Plum is a registered representative with and security and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. The investment professionals are affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Lucia Capital Group, a separate entity from LPL Financial.